Hello, and welcome to Progressive Devilry. Today, we're going to talk about the Progressive Party and its now more than 100-year history in the United States. When you hear the word progressive, what images does that bring to mind? To some, it means progress, moving our government and country forward at times as a constant uphill Sisyphic battle, continuing to roll the giant boulder of social change and equity up a hill just to have it roll back again. To others, progressive means satanic rituals, eating babies, stealing from your pocket just to give money to lazy junkies who don't deserve handouts, and those evil leftists who want to drag our country into some sort of communist, fascist society. We are going to explore the roots of the Progressive Party and find out where these two fully different points of view came from. I mean, these are not slight differences in perspective. There is a wide crevasse separating the view of progressives from the left and the right. Arguably, one is based in reality, while the other is based in false narratives created by politicians that have no policy response, so they fall back on mudslinging demonization. You mean progressives don't eat babies? Only on the weekends. It's just unsuspecting adult conservatives for breakfast the rest of the week. For those listening on the podcast, there are bright red letters flashing sarcasm right now. Progressivism is currently defined as a social reform movement that brought major changes to American politics and government during the first two decades of the 20th century. Many of the founding platform points set the stage for our modern social programs. The Progressive Party got its start as Theodore Roosevelt's passion project and hope of a third term. Teddy took over as the 26th president of the United States in 1901 after the assassination of William McKinley, whom had just started serving his second term. After becoming one of the most popular surprise presidents, Teddy was elected to a second term in 1904 and continued building on the progressive politics that the Republican Party was founded on. If you picked up on the fact that Stella mentioned the Republican Party's progressive politics, they're not wrong. We won't go into the party flip because enough people have made videos about that, and this episode is specifically about the progressive party's history. We will link some videos we think do the best job of explaining why and how the base politics of the Republican and Democratic parties flipped down below. For now, all you need to know is that between 1909 and the 1970s, there was a full party flip, and originally, the Republicans were the party of the progressives. After being elected for his second term in 1904, Teddy Roosevelt announced he would not seek a third term. This was a big deal because at the time he was an extremely popular president, and the 22nd Amendment, which limits presidents to two terms, wouldn't be passed for another 40 years. Most thought Teddy would change his mind by 1908, but he stuck by his word and backed his Secretary of War, William Taft, whom, because of that endorsement, went on to win the 1908 election. After Taft was successfully installed in the White House in 1909, Teddy decided he wanted a well-deserved vacation, so he went on safari in Africa and toured the continents for 11 months. When he came back, he found that Taft had wrenched the Republican Party hard to the right, alienating all of the progressives and was in the process of courting corporate money interests instead of working for the people. Teddy was pretty pissed off. To put it mildly. All right, fine. He was incensed. More accurate. In response, Teddy gathered the alienated progressives and set into motion what would become the Progressive Party. Teddy asked the Republican National Committee to re-endorse him instead of their current candidate during the 1912 election, but they decided to go with the guy who posed no opposition to their personal money-making plans. The then-current president, Taft. Taft was described as a yes-man during his one and only term. 
He sided with the conservative GOP faction of the Republican Party, which had opposed Teddy's policy reforms at every turn while he was in office. It was a huge slap in the face to come home and find his mentee, whom he had endorsed himself, had turned his back on the values Teddy thought they'd shared, standing up for the people. Teddy had some work to do in order to fix the rift Taft had created in the Republican Party. Unfortunately, he would never succeed, but he put up one hell of a fight. You're right about that. He went head-to-head with Taft, the Republican National Convention, to vie for nomination during the 1912 election. He had the support of half the party, but when it became apparent he would not win the nomination, he led a walkout to the Chicago Opera House. This constituted the first national convention of the Progressive Party. Did you know Teddy was shot during a campaign stop in Milwaukee? He spoke for an hour with the bullet still in his body. He famously said, It takes more than one bullet to take down a bull moose, which is where the Progressive Party mascot, the bull moose, came from. The saloon owner that shot him aimed for his heart, and the bullet was slowed only by his coat, the speech, and his glasses case that rested in his breast pocket. After his speech, he went to the hospital and walked away with just a flesh wound from the bullet extraction. That's pretty badass. Agreed. The election ended so contentiously that it fully split the Republican vote, and the Democratic challenger Woodrow Wilson was the elected president. If they'd had ranked choice voting during that presidential election, it's possible there would have been a different outcome and the current state of U.S. politics could have looked very differently today. But the Progressive Party didn't die in 1912. It continued to fight on for years. But there were a number of hurdles that they faced that kept them from being a viable party. Their platform was hugely progressive for the early 20th century, which came with some popularity and some bigly conservative stumbling blocks. It was way ahead of its time. Those stumbling blocks were huge, like the early building blocks of the Equal Rights Amendment, which wouldn't be passed for another 50 years. Not to mention, the Progressive Party was a huge supporter of the women's right to vote and equality, almost 10 years before the suffragettes caused enough ruckus to get the bill passed. The basis of the Progressive Party platform essentially pitted Democrats and Republicans against progressives, as they realized that neither party was on the liberal side of politics anymore. Both the old parties were now on the conservative end of politics. After the passage of the women's right to vote in 1920, which is one of the more popular points of order in the Progressive Party platform, attention for the party seemed to wane. But the Republicans and Democrats seemed to band together against the perceived threat of the progressives, and they used every bad thing that happened in the U.S. to say, it isn't time to take a chance on a new party. And a lot happened in the first half of the 20th century crash, the Great Depression, World Wars I and II, among a host of other huge world events. And as a couple of white people, we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to highlight the racial disparities in the history of this time period. It was a very dark period of injustice, hatred, bigotry, and outright murder that casts long shadows we are still attempting to shed light on today. By the time the old parties were done saying... It wasn't time to take a chance. The word socialism had become a bad word. They falsely equated it with communism, which was a big deal because of the Red Scare perception during the Cold War of the 1950s. And that pretty much became the calling card and demonization go-to against progressives through the modern day. There's a blood feud between Republicans and progressives because they never really forgave them for splitting the vote in 1912, even if they don't really realize that's part of the reason just like they don't realize the false equivalence of socialism and communism that stems from the 1950s. 
Coincidentally, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Teddy's progressive cousin, who ran as a Democrat, made the most of his first presidential terms by passing a huge amount of socialist reform policy and was largely popular because of it. He was elected a record of four times and served three full terms and had just begun his fourth when he died unexpectedly while sitting for a painting in 1945. The 22nd Amendment was passed just two years later, barring any president from serving more than two terms. FDR was not a saint, however, and did not make a perfect president. His groundbreaking socialist policies are still working for the people today, but he was also responsible for ordering all Japanese Americans into internment camps, so... Yikes. Big yikes. So while he was a wildly popular president, he was also responsible for a terrible atrocity on U.S. soil. FDR died in 1945, and soon after, the Republicans began taking up the right-to-work mantle, using Social Security and many of the social reform policies passed during FDR's tenure as a reason to start busting unions. A common union-busting tagline you still hear today is, if the government already has laws in place to protect workers, why do we need unions? There's a lot of reasons we need unions, not the least of which is that these laws can be modified to become all but basically useless as we've seen over the last 80 years since FDR's administration. But that's another story for another episode. Using FDR's example, and seeing how receptive the Democratic Party was to the popularity they brought, many progressives began to join the Dems instead of continuing to fight to solidify their own party. Ranked choice voting was essentially dead, and could not be used to make the necessary changes for other parties to be viable. Instead, progressives took on the maxim, if you can't beat them, join them. And so the beginning of the modern-day Democrats began to form. The progressives had some pull in the new formation of their platform, but they never really pulled it as far left as they wanted. Some people think that the Democrats have shifted farther right recently, but personally, I think that they never really shifted left at all. They were the original conservative party, and while FDR set the tone for the Democrats of the 20th century, no one has come close to the level of progressive change he was able to make in more than three terms as president. Unfortunately, the Republican side of the politics just kept moving farther and farther right, so now the political scale of the U.S. is completely unbalanced. And that brings us up to today, with the renewed interest in progressivism with AOC and the squad in the Democratic Party, and Bernie Sanders as an independent. Over the last 10 years, they've resuscitated the interest in the Progressive Party, and have created a platform for the new People's Party based on the original intent of its predecessors. The entire purpose of the Progressive Party was to expose Republicans and Democrats as having abandoned the people for large moneyed interests. And it seems that over a hundred years later, people are finally seeing behind the curtain. It helps that people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez are creating more transparency. Before she officially took office in 2018, she was invited to a new member orientation that was dubbed Congress Camp on Instagram, where she gave an inside look at what brand new politicians are exposed to on day one. She gave some sharp criticism of parts of this event because the supposedly bipartisan speakers were corporate lobbyists, such as from Goldman Sachs, a global investment and securities firm, among others. She wondered to her followers on Instagram why there were no labor representatives, community leaders, or activists to speak to the incoming politicians. Only corporate moneyed interests who were seeking bipartisan support for their specifically crafted bills to lower corporate taxes 
and gain welfare support so they don't have to pay their employees a living wage. As we've said before, and you'll hear from us in the future, both Democrat and Republican parties are no longer working for the people. 2018 should not have been the first we heard about this kind of immediate farcical indoctrination of our elected officials. They should be hearing from us, not being funneled directly into lobbyist pockets. We need other options, and ranked choice voting will help with that. A bill to pass RCV is still sitting, stalled in the Washington State House of Representatives, substitute House Bill 1156. It's waiting to be heard in the Rules Committee. We'll attach the House bill in the description of this video and in the sources on our website. Click on the link and you'll have a direct line to your representatives to tell them you want RCV passed. If you don't know what ranked choice voting is, see our episode one, which is all about RCV and why it's important to move our country forward. Progressive history is deeply rooted and well fought against in this country, as evidenced by the constant demonization of progress. We'll be here to walk you through topics viewed through the lens of progress and human rights. We'd love to hear from you, so drop a comment, give us a like, and subscribe to our channel. Tag us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're listening to our podcast right now, make sure to watch our videos on YouTube as well if you can. There's additional context you could be missing out on, so check it out. If there's a political question you have and want some help exploring, send us an email at info at progressivedevilry.com and we'll see about making an episode. If you have a question, more than likely someone else does too. Right now, our plan is to expand on the conservative bent of the entire political spectrum of the United States for our next episode. Until next time, let's make progress. Hit that subscribe button to stay updated with us. And any sources we've used in today's episode are below or are available on our website at progressivedevilry.com.